I use this uh, iPhone as my timer. It's running. <laughs> and when it goes off, you may or may not be able to hear it, but I'm practically finished when it goes off. And the reason I use it is because uh, some people complain if the priest talks too short. <laughs> they do. They write letters to the bishop, and they, then the bishop calls the priest, and he says, you're not talking long enough. And uh, so to avoid that, uh, I do that. Um, fast biography. Uh, I was ordained a priest in 1963, a long time ago, by Cardinal Spellman in New York City. And... Um, my first assignment was New York State Prison for Women. Interesting to be a chaplain there. Um, then I taught high school physics and math for 15 years in a high boys' school in White Plains, New York. Then I joined the Air Force. I said, I got to get out of here. 15 years in one high school is too long. Uh, so I joined the Air Force until, for 22 years until age uh, 60. I came out of the Air Force and I asked Cardinal O'Connor if I could work with a charity. And he very generously said yes. I said, can I live in Vermont? And he said, all right, all right. So um, I live in Vermont and I travel most weekends for the last 23 years. It's a whole nother career. And I work for a charity that's now called Unbound. And I thank the pastor for uh, Father Beadle for having me here this weekend. It's up to the pastor to say yes or no, whether uh, we get to come to a parish. And I'm happy to be with Father Pasala and Deacon Jeff. Happy to be with them as the clergy at this worship service. The scriptures are a little bit odd. Both the first reading, the Hebrew scripture, and the gospel reading have a concern that is not necessarily ours. And that first concern is, when you die, who gets your stuff? You had to work so hard for it, so diligently over so many years in the heat of the day. And now you die, it is gone. It goes to somebody else. Well, that's, that's concern is expressed in both those scripture readings. But, you know, we don't necessarily see it that way because we work diligently, we do have savings accounts, we do have investments, we do have real estate, but it's all going to go probably to people we love to help them in their lives, just like we inherited stuff to help us in our lives. So it's not something that we dread that somebody else is going to get it. And there are plenty of laws. There are federal laws. There are state laws that deal with how your property is distributed after your death. So it's not a thing of great fear on our part. But one part that's very definite and does apply is the gospel reading, take care to guard against all greed. One's life does not consist of possession. We can say that and uh, we can believe it, but it's very hard not to be dominated and directed by our possessions. They tend to take over. 
we have to pay monthly for so many things and we have it and then something breaks and now we, it costs us a lot to get it fixed. So uh, the stuff we own to some degree does come to own us. The scriptures are telling us, don't put your trust in these things. Put your trust in God. Put your ultimate trust in God, not in this stuff, because somebody else is going to end up with it. So um, that's the message maybe that we could take from the scriptures. <clears throat> somewhere, I think it was yesterday, I, somewhere I saw a copy. I couldn't come up with it today, but I saw something that dealt with your parish mission statement. And it had to do with continuing the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what parish is for. Accepting his great gift of eternal salvation, eternal life done through his tremendous generosity, and continuing his mission on this earth. And what is the mission? Well, what did Jesus do? He went about and he healed those who were sick. He gave sight to the blind. He enabled the deaf to hear. If someone was a bigot, he let him know that he was a bigot and tried to fix his attitude. Uh, if someone had died and Jesus was touched with compassion, often, if someone had died, he may have raised that person back to life and restored them to their family, to their widowed mother, to their sisters, whatever. So we are all bound by strictures. We all have restrictions on what we're capable of being and capable of doing. And we go to school or we go into the military or we go to a special training of some sort to try to give us a discipline and a freedom to act in a certain way that we might have removed some of the restrictions on our life. So I think it is fair to say that the mission of Jesus was to remove restrictions, strictures that people had in their lives, ultimately with looking towards eternal life. So the, par uh, the charity Unbound that I work with, um, that's what we try to do. Today we take care of 320,000 children and aging around the world in 18 third world countries. So 320,000 children and aging who would not get a crucial benefit unless unbound encouraged parishioners around the United States to sponsor a child. Well, it surprised me a great deal in the last uh, couple of days when I learned out that you already, I found out, you already have a program in Honduras where some of you sponsor a specific child in Honduras. Can I see a show of hands if anybody's involved in that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, so probably a dozen, uh, probably two dozen by the time I count everybody. So that's tremendous. So you are already doing what we encourage people to do. You're helping some child by a generous monthly donation to get education first and other benefits also. So now here I come and I say, 
I want you to sponsor Romulo, a 68-year-old man in the Philippines, Valerie, a five-year-old girl in Honduras, Martin, an 18-year-old boy in the Philippines, Faimesh, an 11-year-old girl in India. I ask you to do this. But I'm asking people who, in a sense, already have examined the idea and are doing it to some degree. So I got a little nervous. I said, uh-oh, they're already doing it. But anyway, screwed my courage to the sticking point and said, um, I brought 80 children with me and aging. If I had them all out here in front of you, they would all be taken. If somebody in here would sponsor every single one and all 80 would find a sponsor in this particular congregation. You wouldn't say no to them, you'd see them. Well, this is just as real, not as appealing naturally, but it's just as real that these children and aging are out there hoping that somebody in the United States sponsors them. And this is the opportunity at this parish and this is the opportunity for these particular people. So I did uh, get the courage to say <clears throat> to the previous two congregations this weekend, I brought 80, there's four masses, that would be average 20 per mass. So I said last night, how about uh, we get 20 sponsorships at this mass for this program? And we got 19, amazing, big number. So I said the same thing at the, pre the 9 o'clock Mass this morning. We got 21. So we have a total of 40 sponsored already out of the 80. So I am no longer fearful of suggesting to you that you get involved in our program. Now, we are a trusted organization. Better Business Bureau, Consumer Reports, Charity Navigator, Charity Watch, people whose only function is to see how good the product is, how accurately it's accomplished, uh, give us top grades. So I think you can put aside a concern uh, that, that the charity is questionable. We deliver 93% of what we collect. Um, this is our first visit to this parish. Over the 23 years I've worked with them, I've been back to some parishes four times, and they can still produce new sponsorships. Here's how it's going to work. After Mass, myself and three volunteers who have been arranged by headquarters in Kansas City are going to be at tables. There's one table out that exit, because some of you always go out that exit, and there's a couple of tables back this way. So if you'll stop and talk with us and look at the children and aging and consider sponsoring them, we would appreciate that very much. <laughs> Final items. Um, <clears throat> if you don't sponsor, we're still friends, all right? If you don't sponsor, I'm not angry at you. Don't go home saying, oh, oh they kept singing. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And I did it. I hardened my heart, and I didn't do it. No, we don't want you to feel bad about it. Think about it, but we don't want you to feel bad, okay? Because most of you will not sponsor. So I don't want to send more than half the congregation home thinking badly about themselves. You have your reasons. You're generous people. You take care of other 
charities, relatives, grandchildren, etc. Last item. I went to, uh, in 95, I began working with this charity, and I went to Guatemala, and there was a little two-year-old that I had sponsored, Jose, little, little tiny fella. And I stayed with him for 15 years. I sponsored that boy. And he got through high school, and he went to technical training, and he got the skill to be a bricklayer. Now he has a skill that sets him up in his own culture to survive and probably have his own family. So that's a success story for us. That's a success. Not everybody's going to be a doctor. Not everybody's going to be an attorney. Not everybody's going to be a nurse. <clears throat> Some of the jobs, of course, are very humble, but they are jobs that work within that culture and enable a person to have a much richer life. Very last item. When you stop at the tables to talk to us and say thanks for traveling all the way from Vermont to say hello, when you stop to say that and you look at a child and say, oh, I'll sponsor Pamesh from India, you fill out this form and you give it back to us, both the white and the yellow. It does uh, suggest a $36 a month uh, fee and it does tell you how to do it by check, credit card, bank withdrawal, et cetera, et cetera. We'll help you with it, okay? Give us back this. You take home your brand new friend, your giant step for the day, what you did, okay? Thank you very much for considering.